You're listening to episode 88 of the Mud Stories podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are never, ever alone. you're here. And if this is your first time joining me in this place, I just want to extend a huge welcome to you. Pull up a virtual chair at our Starbucks table and let's hang out together and do some life together and walk through some mud together. And let's link arms and know that we're not alone. So Katie Orr is here this week. Uh, I hope you had a chance to hear her answers to those fun questions in the pre-show episode that was released on Monday. If you missed Katie in that episode, you can find it at JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 88P as in pre-show. And so there's no need for a formal introduction here today. But before we get to Katie, I wanted to remind you that I have opened up a limited number of coaching slots that are still available. And it would be my honor and privilege to be able to serve you in that way. And so if you are finding yourself today in an in-between place, maybe you're feeling alone or isolated, Uh, maybe you're hurting from some situation that's happening that you're facing, maybe you're indecisive or confused about a decision, maybe you need some clarity because you're unsure of what's next, I would love to be that person to walk with you, to help you process and to encourage you to give some biblical perspective to whatever situation you're facing and to just hang out and pray with you and confidentially walk alongside you through some mud, whatever it is. It would be my honor and joy to do that. And so you can find out more information at JackieWatkins.com forward slash coaching. Uh, the rates are there and all the information. If you have any questions, feel free to email me. Again, I'm looking forward to whoever it is that I have the privilege to work with. I cannot wait to connect with you. And so today I'm so excited. We're going to be giving away three copies of Katie's book, Everyday Faith, this week. And so stay tuned till the end. I'll tell you how to enter that giveaway. But in the meantime, Katie is here. And so here we go. Well, hey, Katie, I'm so glad you're here. And uh, we first met online. I remember visiting your blog and commenting back in the day when that's what we did to get to yeah. know to get to know people uh-huh. and um but then I got to meet you at the Illum conference briefly but it was when we got to be roommates at the She Speaks conference that I really got to connect with you and I'm so glad that you've become my real friend and that you've joined me here at Mud Stories so big huge welcome so glad you're here thank you it's an honor to be here and I just oh it was so much fun and I know pretended we were like 18 still and could stay up till two in the morning and get up (laughs) I think we all came home and slept for two go home so sleep deprived it's like women's retreat and conference overload with information and inspiration and conferences are the best yes I love them so I also know that you have done some homeschooling like I did I I certainly did not always intend to homeschool and I think neither did you but we have this bond that our youngest go to kindergarten at public school or wherever whatever school preschool and kindergarten I cannot compete with tricycles and art and yeah (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, I didn't set out to do it that way. And we, we just take it a kid at a time, a year at a time. And so we have, we homeschooled for a year and then we didn't. And then we went back for a year, but the little ones, it seems like it's just been for my sanity more than anything <laughs> for them to be in preschool and kindergarten. And they love it. I mean, kindergarten is so much fun I and I just can't do all those things that I'm just not good at that type of thing. So me um, either. Yeah. It just, they, they've loved it. In fact, well, I did just bring my youngest home who is in kindergarten. He was in kindergarten in the public school for half a year and we just brought him home. Okay. Just a couple months ago. And it's been a, you know, a little bit rocky, but he's, he already knows how to read and he's doing like, he's just a prodigy. It's not to my, to nothing to my account at all. But he's, <laughs> just, he's just, a he's just, you know, he catches he's on. already at like a first or second grade level for, for everything. So I'm not having to teach him how to do anything. You know, he already can read and, and learn well on his own. And so I'm all about independent workers. So it works better with older ones now that he can yeah. do that. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. it is. It's so hard when they're two, three, four years old to be yes. trying to focus on stuff like that. I know there's some people who are homeschooling her nodding their heads. Mm-hmm. Don't crash your car while you're nodding your head. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just, a, you know, everybody's, everybody's just built differently. And I think yeah. it's so easy, whether you homeschool or not, to look at, oh, this mom did that, and that mom did this, and or I'm not even a mom yet, and look at all that they're doing. I could never do that. And mm. we've got to stop we gotta doing stop that. we got to stop that, yeah. It's that we're all, like my sister, I, I love her. She's one of my best friends. She has six kids. She's homeschooled them all from the beginning. And she just, is she tired? Yes. Does she have bad days? Yes. But she just thrives in it. She's just such a good stay-at-home mom, you know, and I feel like I am a horrible stay-at-home mom, you know, <laughs> and I'm, really, I'm really not a stay-at-home mom. I'm a work-at-home mom, but, you know, I really, part of my journey, even in and out of depression, looking back was, for me, it was trying, I had too many ideals in my head. I had my own ideals. I had so-and-so's ideals. I had so-and-so's ideals. I had all the blog posts and the Pinterest and all those ideals. And it was like, I was trying to meet up to all of those ideals and it crushed me. Yeah. It crushed me. Well, you also, I mean, you talk about work at home now. I mean, you are work at home now, but you haven't always worked at home. You've, you've worked at a hospital like me. Yes, I have. I mean, we can both draw blood from people. Yes. (laughs) I love that we have that in common. I think one, one time we were talking CBCs and, and uh, lab results and all Uh kinds of stuff like that. That was fun. So yeah, I mean, it's not all of us, you know, uh, work outside the home at all, but some of us do and we have a mix and I think we can all love God and our families and, and uh, stop this comparing. I think you're so onto something there. Well, you are now a pastor's wife, a writer, a blogger. You're a blabber. I was so thrilled to join you on Blab a few (laughs) weeks ago. We blabbed. Is that what we're supposed to call it? Blabbing? I think so. I hate that name. (laughs) I like the platform, but I hate the name. I know. Well, for those of you who don't know what Blab is, it's just a way to have live video. What is it? A meet? Like like a hangout. Like a hangout. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to talk about God's word a little bit. So love that. But you're passionate about helping us all learn to study God's word, not because someone has told us what it says or told us to, but because we are learning God's word for ourselves, what it is, what it says, what God speaks to our own hearts through his Holy Spirit. And so before we get into all that, I'd love for you to just tell us about your family, where you live and what you love to do, all all of that sort of stuff. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, well, currently we live in Harrodsburg, Kentucky. Um, since we have been married, see, Chris and I met in Jacksonville, Florida, but I grew up in Southern California. I already said that. Yes. So I'll, I mean, I've been all over the place. In between there, I went to Auburn University, then made it down to Jacksonville to finish up my degree um, with an internship in the hospital. Uh, my degree is in medical technology. So if you have had your blood drawn or peed in a cup or anything else, <laughs> It goes to the lab, and we are the ones that analyze all those fun things. So, yes, and I call and, and ask how fast you're going to have the results to me. Because yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, so it. Uh, I loved my major. I have not worked much as a med tech just because, you know, God called me to other things, but I would so go back if God called me to that. I, I just enjoyed, I really enjoyed that major. Anyway, so moved to Jacksonville to do that year internship. That's where Chris and I married, met and married. And then we had a baby in Jacksonville, and then we moved. Then we were on staff at Campus Crusade, moved to Atlanta, had another baby. And then we left Campus Crusade to go into church ministries. That's what my husband felt was his calling. And so we left Campus Ministry to go into, um, for my husband to go to seminary and go into church ministry. And then we have... Um, we moved then again. You're a professional <laughs> mover. We, we have moved so many times. So, so far has been married, have a baby, move, have a baby, move, and then we moved again, and then we had a baby. <laughs> Good job I, having babies, Miss Katie. That was, that was a Florida to Florida move. So we were in Bronson, Florida, and then we moved to Harrodsburg, Kentucky three years ago. Okay. And I'm very happy to say that we have no more babies coming and we <laughs> do not plan on moving anytime soon. So <laughs> I love my babies, but we are done. And, um, a, a good friend of mine says that she has, uh, well, she's actually has a fifth on the way, but she, she said that God gave me four because he knew I could handle three. <laughs> and that's how I, that's how I feel about three, that God gave me three because he knew I could handle two. <laughs> so, I love um, that. Yeah. Anyway. Well, you've been all over. I mean, from California to Florida to now the South. You've seen seasons. You've lived in places without seasons. You've lived no humidity, humidity. That is a unique perspective. Yes. I I do not have that. Are are you in love with seasons? I do love the seasons, although I am so ready for winter to be over right now. It is not my favorite season, Mm -hmm. but... We see the flowers in the spring that I have never seen before. You know, it's just so amazing. And I don't have to do anything. It was like they're already in the ground and they just come up. Isn't and that incredible? Absolutely beautiful. And so I am certainly ready for that. And I do love the seasons. You know, every every place has its ups and downs. And sometimes they go along with one another. Yeah. You know, it's a flip side of the same coin. Yeah. Well, you are no stranger to mud. I know you've been through some <laughs> hard things. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet from way back, God had started laying a foundation for you along the way so that you could walk through the mud with him and the strength of his word. And so I'd love for you to go back and just help us know what life was like for you growing up and how the foundation and love for God's word began to be laid through those, you know, young adolescent years into your young adulthood and, and on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I grew up in Southern California and the church culture there, at least when I lived there is very different than here in the South where everybody at least says they're a Christian. Um, and so really at some point we were Catholic and we went to Catholic school and we never went to Catholic church. So we just didn't go to church. We just, our family just didn't go anywhere, but I, I knew I was Catholic and because I went, you know, did first confession, first communion, all that stuff. And then one day my parents came to me and said, when we go to Grackey's, which is my grandmother, who's 
who was a very devout Catholic, they said, don't do this anymore. And they, you know, did the Godfather, Holy Spirit, you know, movement on the head and the shoulders and all that most people have probably seen. And that was their way of telling me we were no longer Catholic. So (laughs) they decided um, just as a family that they were going to move away from the Catholic church, which really just meant they were moving away from Catholic school and putting us into Christian school. And which we should stop and say Catholic is Christian. It's just you're you're transitioning to a Protestant school. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. My dad grew up uh, in the Presbyterian church. Again, you know, it really wasn't we ne- we were not practicing anything. Right. You know, <laughs> it was more in tradition. And, yeah. 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 In tradition. And so um, and a lot of that was they wanted to honor my mom's parents, you know, and then just felt like as they're with their growing family that they needed to make their own decision. And so I think that was the heart of it, feeling that God was leading them somewhere else. And so we moved to Christian school and just so I would kind of always grew up around the things of God. The Bible was, you know, a class and it was another book in my locker and just like history or spelling or whatever else. (laughs) But I knew all this stuff, you you know, we did our Bible drills and I could tell you where Revelations or Romans or, you know, Leviticus was. Um, And I'm a type A, so I just, you know, excelled in everything and I always loved doing all that. I loved learning, but it was just because it gave me accolades and because I felt better that I knew where things were. It was nothing about a heart for God or his word. Um, And it really wasn't until my senior year that I started feeling this dissonance between is this really what Christianity is all about is it really don't do drugs don't have sex don't you know lie read your bible go to church go to Wednesday night youth I mean that's really what I thought Christianity was about and you know we would have chapel on Fridays and speakers would come in and sometimes there'd be missionaries that would come in and they would talk about what they the work that they did and i really thought i i knew there was something more i deep down i knew there was something more but i was so scared of it i i, I really honestly felt in my 16 year old mind that if i surrendered to god like they were always telling us on friday like come on just surrender your heart to god you know that i would end up in a hut in africa married to an ugly man <laughs> <laughs> like I really thought that that's that is what, so funny that's what that would leave me because I felt like if I surrendered to God he was going to strip away everything that was fun and strip away everything that I loved and obviously my my view of God was so off I saw him as just kind of this this do's and don'ts dad you know that was like trying to check up on me all the time which is funny because that's not necessarily how my father was, but I just had that in my head, that that thought of him as just kind of this taskmaster. And so just slowly, surely through different situations, God began to open my eyes to see that that is not who he is. And it really changed, especially when I went to college and I went to Auburn University. And I did not know that when I was moving from Southern California to Auburn University, that I was to Auburn, Alabama, that I was moving into what was called the Bible Belt. And that really Auburn, at least when I was there, it was very much almost like a Christian school. I mean, there were so many great Christian organizations and and people who really got what it, I mean, there certainly were the cultural Christians, but I was smack, I was just like placed on a hall with a bunch of wonderful Christian women that I am still friends to, to this day, that I was in a Bible study, you know, I got involved in Campus Crusade and I sat, I found myself in this freshman Bible study and these women with eagerness opening their Bible and sharing what God taught them. 
that, you know, I was like struggling to get the homework done, you know, or like, I probably didn't do any of it. I just showed up and they were like, had all their notes and they were so excited to talk about what God had, God had shared with them. And it was as if they it just had coffee with Jesus. They talked about Jesus like he was a man that they knew personally. And I remember vividly thinking, I don't know that person. I don't, that Jesus that you're talking about, I've never, I've never experienced that. And I do believe that I came to Christ in junior high, that from what I understood of the gospel at that point, I believed it, but I didn't really truly fully understand the depth of the gospel for my everyday. So when you were observing this in them, what did you do? I mean, did you say something or did you just keep observing and then follow or like? Well, I was too proud, honestly, because I was a Christian and I I grew up in a Christian school and I was valedict, well, salutedictorian of that Christian school. So it was very, my pride really kept me from Mm -hmm. reaching out. Uh, but I just kept involved in the Bible study and later on got involved in, I think what was really transformational was a, a, a summer project that I went on that summer uh, to Santa Cruz, California, actually. And it was a community like I'd never experienced before. And it was just like constant, constant growth. And it was just God's faithful hand continuing to open my eyes to who he is and how my view of him was wrong. And I could not have articulated it then, but I fully believe now that The greatest measure of spiritual growth is not how often I read my Bible or how faithful I am to church or whether or not I serve or fill in the blank. The measure of my spiritual growth is in my view of God, Mm. because there there are a lot of people out there that are really they're really good at the do's and don'ts, really good at it. But their view of God is small. They don't need God because they can keep up with the do's and don'ts. Right, and that's really where I was. And um. Okay, so if I'm on this wheel of try harder, I call it, you know, I'm like trying hard, trying harder, trying harder, mud hits, and I either go one of two ways. I say, forget this. <laughs> this is too hard. I'd rather just be over here with the sinners and enjoy my life because I just did all this try harder and yet my baby died anyway. I just did all this try harder and I lost all my money. So screw this. I'm just going to go over here and rebel because. All of my do's and don'ts did nothing. Right. I'm not happy. Right. Or we err on the other side of of pride and self-sufficiency of, I don't need God. I tried it God's way and it didn't work. So I'm going to, they're essentially saying the same thing. I'm going to do it my own way. But some of us are more on the, you know, wanting to still look tidy on the outside. And some of us are like, I don't care what other people think. I'm going to do what I want, you know, but they're essentially the same heart of, I don't need God. Mm -hmm. And also it could be the reaction of you get smothered by your mud because you have no, no faith in the fact that God could or would be with you uh, because of whatever reason you feel guilty that it's happened or because you didn't try hard enough. You know, he's not, he's leaving you. You know, and so then you implode into depression or, Mm -hmm. or, you know, addictive behaviors or acting out, you know, Mm -hmm. any of those things. So, so our view of God is so key. So how did, how did you be able to grasp the view of God that you discovered in his word? I mean, if somebody's in that do in that, what did you call it? Try harder wheel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it goes back to the gospel. And I love this quote. I'm going to butcher it. But this quote from, maybe I can find it because I quoted it in one of my books. Um, It's by J.D. Greer. And he says that the gospel is not the diving board into the pool in which, you know, into the pool of of a relationship with God. Like the gospel is the pool. 
mm-hmm. that that a lot of times we think the gospel meaning okay Jesus died for my sin Jesus is the only way to heaven I'm trusting Jesus that I cannot get to God without him yes I agree with that and that's what I did as a 12 year old and I very much saw okay I thought I'd I thought I was a Christian because I've just grown up around the things of God, but it was very evident in that moment that I have never trusted God for my sins. I've been trusting me for my sins and that's only going to get me so far. Mm. I'm a, so, so we all know, most of us know that that is the gospel. You know, the good news about what Jesus did, we're get Easter, you know, the Easter story. Right. But, but then we think that from that point, then we need to, then it's up to us. There is a really good book out there by Christine Hoover called From Good to Grace. And she talks about this. It's really, she just shares her own story, how she got the gospel, but then for so long, even as an adult, even as a church planner's wife who should have it all figured out, she was really trying to make her path from salvation on up to her. You know, we all, most of us know that we cannot get to God. We cannot be saved by our own actions for it is by grace. You have been saved through faith. It is not of your works. It's a gift of God. But then we wholeheartedly embrace that. But then we move on and start trying to become like Jesus on our own. Right. Because that's why we're still on this earth. You know, like we have a purpose to be on this earth or else the moment we, we came to know God, he would bring us up into heaven. He's left us here to be image bearers of who he is to, to be a light to the darkness of those around us. But we often start acting as if that part is up to us too. And that's what it goes back to the verse that I talked about, uh, Philippians one, six, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So we are in partnership with God now to become more like Jesus and he's doing a good work in us. And if he was not working in us at all, we could try all we want and never move forward. Right. Right. It, it's he's begun this work. Now, we certainly absolutely 100 percent have a role to play in, in our sanctification. Big word that just means becoming more and more like Jesus. But that's that is one of our number one things on this earth to be because it glorifies God. Right. We become more like Jesus because people see Jesus in us and then they come to Christ, you know. Right. Well, you're having this awareness, this growth time at college. What happens from there as you were involved with Campus Crusade, you end up working for Campus Crusade, and then you meet and marry Chris. Take us through that, and then, you know, you describe some of your moves and babies, and and uh, I, I want you to share a little bit about the depression you faced, because that can be something that I think others can identify with, and yet may it can be an ongoing struggle for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, well, it was really something that it took me a very long time to recognize because I, in my mind, I thought depression was I'm stuck in bed. I cannot move. I cannot function. And everybody's going, come on, Katie, wake up. You know, like, like that it was so, I, I just assumed that depression meant that I was debilitated. And so I walked around for years, really depressed, but just kept thinking it was something different. You know, like I, I just wasn't doing the right thing to figure this out, figure, get out of this funk. Oh, I'm just tired. I just had a baby, you know? Yeah. And, um, it really took my husband. I mean, we just had, it seemed like we were having the same conversation over and over again. And it, 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 went usually went something like, I can't do this. I'm overwhelmed. The house is a mess. These kids, I can't, like, I love them, but I can't be around them. And I just, you know, I mean, it was just. Just overwhelm. Yes. Yeah. Continual overwhelm. And it was day after day after day. And, and so things like 
I hate that my van is always a mess. Like it bothers me down to the deep part of me that my, that my, cause I'm like this, I, I think there's this part of me that I just like cleanliness. I like neatness. And it was, I mean, out the way, still to this day, I mean, we're getting there. We're getting there. My <laughs> youngest is five, almost six. And we're slowly getting out from under this. Everything is a disaster all the time. And it was like, I felt like I was continually stuffing down this part of me, like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is your babies. It doesn't matter if your van is, you know, it's so, so it's like I was, there was this war in between me because I heard the voices of, oh, you're going to miss these days. And, oh, you know, just enjoy these babies. And I was trying you're to- You're like, enjoy- I'm going to poke somebody's eyes out if they say no. that to me one more time. <laughs> I know. I just was so- Not really, stuck. but- I was so stuck. So stuck. And it was like, I- thought what I wanted, but I couldn't be what I wanted, you know? Mm. And I think I was really, for me personally, I was really trying to take on the stay at home mom, what all that meant, you know, that I was going to bake my bread and clean my house on a schedule. And I was going to homeschool my kids. And I was, you know, and I was trying to, I was working toward all those things and it was death to me. It was death, death to my soul. And I think even though I never would have said this at the time, Deep down in my heart, I believed that the most godly woman was the woman that stayed home and sacrificed, didn't go out to work so that she could have all the extra Starbucks and all. Like, this is, again, I never would have said this, but I, I really believe this is deep down what I what I believe, that the fact that I was not out there working was a godly thing, that I was sacrificing for mm. the sake of my family to have this family unit, and that it needed to look a certain way that I was hearing should work. Mm. And that I, I, you know, I could fill in the blanks with all the specific details of what I thought that stay at home mom equaled godliness. But Katie, in the middle of it, you wouldn't have been able to articulate that. You were just feeling yeah. frustration and anger and whatever yes. else, sadness yeah. in moments. So how, how did you get propelled to investigate what was under all of that? Because I think... For those of you listening who are identifying with what Katie's saying, I think it's important for us to know this diffuse feeling of discontentment and um, just, you know, not really feeling like life is going as you wanted and it and it starts to lead to sadness or disappointment and depression. Um, it's important to get to that place where you can get propelled to really investigate what's under there because that's the key. Yeah. So yeah. how did that, how did, how did you discover that? Well, it was my husband saying, I think you're depressed. Like for him to say that, and he is not, he's not one to, he doesn't say things lightly, you know? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I think you are depressed and you need to go work. Like he made me go to work one day a week. Wow. <laughs> and I, with that money that I made, the kids, the younger two were, in, so my oldest was in kindergarten. The younger two went to preschool on Mondays and they went to preschool on Fridays. And that's what I used the money that I made. Mm-hmm. Um, was for them to be in preschool. And then I stayed home Friday. He and I would have a date night or date lunch. And I would do whatever I wanted that day that didn't involve kids. And, and so I think that was key having someone else saying, this is what's going on and you need help. And then I finally went to the doctor after canceling many appointments. And I went and I said, here's what's going on. She said, yes, I think you're depressed. And I got on medicine. Canceling many appointments because you didn't want to go, right? Let's talk about that. Because I, I'd feel better. You know, I'd set the appointment and then I'd feel better. I'm like, oh, I don't need to go. Because I, another lie that I was believing that, that if I need to get on medicine, that I'm not trusting God enough in this situation that I need to have outside help. Mm, 
That is so key. I think that keeps a lot of people from getting the help they need. Yeah. And I do think there is a place where we can be on the other spectrum in which we try to find pills to answer every one of our, you know, I want to lose weight. I don't, I don't, I don't want to eat better. I just want you to give me a magic pill to lose right, 10 pounds, right. you know, like, and I, you know, I can fall there. You know, I, I, I want that. I would rather do that than eat better, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we can definitely, we need to be on the lookout for both traps, yeah. you know? And that was the, one of the best decisions that I made because I felt, I mean, within a week, I felt like a different person. Yes, there were all those emotional things going on and there was all those mental things going on, but there was something physical going on too Mm -hmm. that I didn't know was going on. And that I I did it for a year and it was the best thing that I did Um, outside of staying in God's, you know, we were talking about outside of God's word. Yeah. Um, That really, it just, I did. I just felt like I had the energy to do things and I'm just so, I'm so thankful that I did that. I wish I had done it a year earlier. Yeah. Well, and at the time, I mean, who isn't in a storm when you have, you know, three kids under the age of six or under the age of five? I mean, that is a crazy motherhood time. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm I'm glad to hear your encouragement to have a balance, not either extreme, because I think you're right. It's Mm -hmm. easy to go to those extremes and having loving people in our lives that can help speak truth to us and, and for yeah. us to actually listen. I mean, you could have just, you know, started a marital fight there. <laughs> <laughs> I just sat stunned. Like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. I just, I couldn't believe it. But yeah. Okay. So. Well, tell me how God's word began to play a role in all of this because Back up a bit and tell us the history of like studying the Bible and where that passion came from. And then, well, I think, I think the very first time that I remember hearing from God through his word, I was in high school and it was like, there was high school boy drama going on. I don't even remember all the details, (laughs) but I just remember being like so frustrated and sad and hurt. And I was, this was back when I was still in the flip, like just flip to wherever and open the Bible and read it, you know, God. (laughs) God totally uses because he did in this moment. Yeah. Cause and if you're in the flip stage, it's really okay. You're opening God's word. Yes. Yeah. And, um, I opened up to this passage that was talking about, it says, why are you so downcast on my soul? Uh, why are you disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for, I will yet praise him again, my savior and my God. Mm-hmm. And in Psalm 42, it's the same passage as the deer panteth for the water. So my soul longeth after you. And it says it twice in that Psalm, that same exact verse. Why are you in despair on my soul? And it was like this light bulb went off like, Oh, maybe it's okay that I feel this way. You know, mm-hmm. I think I felt that every negative emotion was bad or sinful. And so that just started a a path of, and it was literally like, God, I didn't hear him audibly, but I really felt God in that moment saying, I see you. I know what you're going through. You will get through this. It will pass. And it was such a peace that came over me through God's word. And I think that really started a hunger in me to know more of what was in what was in the Bible and what he had to say. And it, it kind of piqued my interest of, oh, it's not all about the do's and don'ts because that's all I had ever heard was the do's and don'ts. And so just through that and then through the ministry of crusade and being in the Bible and just seeing the people that, like I said, that were 
that were experiencing Jesus in a day-to-day way that I was not. It really propelled me. Also having tools of knowing how to study the Bible. That was a lot of what we did with crew was um, learning how to open up the Bible and see see what's there on our own. And so just really over probably five years, slowly but surely growing. And then right away, I get out of school and I'm turning right around and teaching college students. And you learn so much from teaching. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So I'm now turning around, like teaching these girls what I had learned and had changed my heart so deeply. And so just decades really of teaching women how to study the Bible. And I just really, I love God's word. And I think that deep down, we all love God's word. We all do, but we either think we're not good enough for his word. Or we think we're not, we haven't gone to seminary, which I haven't, but you know, we, we start put, we think that a deep study of the Bible is only reserved for the pastor or the, the professional Christian. Right. We get intimidated. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it isn't intimidating. It is intimidating because there's been plenty of times where I, I remember the moment that I, I started, it was later on in my senior year. So that, that first moment was my senior year. And then that summer before I'm like getting ready to leave to Auburn and I'm shaking in my boots because I'm like, I'm about to move across the country. I don't know anybody. And I could totally just live a to- I could live a totally different night- life. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows what I've been like. Like so a far. new start. Yep. Yeah. And I could totally just go down the party route if I wanted, mm. you know, and, and deep down, I didn't want that, but there was something in me that I, I was afraid of, mm. you know, and it, it really was just my sin, you know, mm. that we, I mean, all, all sin, all things, it, it looks, it's tantalizing, you know, it, it looks good. And so I think I was really just facing this, like, wow, like not a crisis of faith, but this like, whoa, you know, I, I really need to take this seriously or I'm going to fall. It was a crossroad. Time, yeah. Yeah. It really was a crossroad. And I think, you know, by God's grace <laughs> that he, and then, like I said, he just plopped me right down in the middle with a roommate, with a, a, a roommate and two sweet mates. And then the girl next door that were all Christians and they were all like, let's go find a, you know, I wouldn't have known. I didn't have a car. I wouldn't have known where to go. Go. They all grew up around there. Most of them did. And so they all knew where to go and where to go to church and all that. And it was just such a blessing. It was like God placed me in that environment. I could have been placed in a different environment and I probably would have made different choices, you know? So seeing God's, the hand of God's restraining grace on my life. Um, so that kept, much to be thankful for there. Yeah. And so just, I just love studying the Bible and I, and I, I think that, again, deep down, all of us do in our own way. And just seeing that there are so many different ways to do it. And it's not a right or wrong. It's just about enjoying God's word, mm-hmm. how we enjoy it. And I love the the whole illustrated faith thing that's going on right now. It's not my cup of tea. You know, the whole watercolors. Oh, and- yeah. Artwork in your Bible. Yeah. It's not my cup of tea, but I love that it is so popular right now because it's really breaking our box of what does Bible study look like, you know? Now, you, you probably need to do some other things, too, you know, like, because it's not just, we can't just read God's word and say, this is what it means, you know, but I love that they're slowing down and enjoying each word. That's what's going on there. They're reading it so slowly, that they're able to create art out of it. And that is so beautiful. And I think that that is really just a way to really seep in, in God's word. Well, all of your years getting into God's Word and studying God's Word and being passionate to help others learn how to dive into that really laid a foundation for you to handle the tragedy that happened to your family when your brother suddenly passed away. 
Yes. Katie, grief is so real, um, mm-hmm. so hard, and I can't even believe it's been a few years. How, how long has it been? Yeah, it's been over two years. Yeah. It was in November. It feels like to me it was very recent, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how time flies. No. But, um, you know, I, I certainly know it was a surprise. Uh, I just had a dear, dear friend, her dad, just last week. I went to a funeral yesterday. Um, 65 years old, he just collapsed on the bathroom floor and they couldn't revive him. And she thought she had years left with her dad. And I think when our loved ones are, when our loved ones pass away so suddenly, it's so shocking because you do take advantage of the fact that you think that you're going to have lots of time. And then when there isn't this long drawn out sickness or a long goodbye or, you know, like another friend I know, her husband has been given four months to live with colon cancer. I mean, that is a time period where you can plan goodbyes and plan yeah. things. Not that it's easier by any means, right. but um, certainly different. And uh, for you, it was sudden. And I'm not sure what your experience with profound grief was before in life. I'm guessing it was minimal. But yeah, um, talk, talk to us a bit about grief and, and how God's word really helped you walk through that and it, for someone who maybe is, is facing that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, before that, I, you know, my grandmother passed away when I was in college, you know, but she was old. It was sudden, but she was older and, you know, it was hard, but it was nothing like this where, you know, my 29 year old brother suddenly is gone. Mm-hmm. And I, I think on the, before it happened that I always looked at people that, you know, lost their husband or a sudden death, like you were talking about. And, and they just seemed to walk through it so well. I mean, they were grief, they were, you know, going through grief, but they still held on to God through it all. And I kept thinking, I want to be able to do that. And I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things that until you are in the club, for lack of a better word, you just don't know what, what it's like. And I think there was a part of me that was fearful of that. I think just wondering if I you know, if one of my kids, I mean, still, I think even right now, like if one of my kids were to be killed today, you know, like that is a different ball game, I think, than as much as I miss my brother, but it, that's a different ball game, losing a child. And I, you know, I wonder sometimes, will I be able to walk through that? And I think that what I've learned through walking with losing James is that, I mean, was it painful? Absolutely. It still is painful. Grief is something that is, it's just, it's just something you have, it just happens to you. You can't control it. You can't change it. It just comes Mm -hmm. and it comes when it wants. Like now, two years later, I don't cry every day about it, but when it really deeply, like what I I think of it as like a room that it's like, you've got this, you know, maybe you have a junk drawer in your, in your house or like me, you just have a room that's just messy and Mm -hmm. I can close that door. You know, it's like, it's like that messy room that's always there and you always know it's there. And it, it bothers you that it's there, but it's not until you open that door and really get into the mess that you feel the, just the intensity of it. And mm-hmm. like, I feel like grief is that room where it's like, at some point, you know, first couple weeks, we just were in that room all mm-hmm. the time. And I, you know, I couldn't keep being in that room and be a mom. I can't sit in that room and function as an adult. I can't sit in that room and do the jobs that I have to do. And so you have to learn to, to get out of that room somehow. But sometimes it's like the room happens to you. And for me, it was often when I was in the shower, like whenever I got alone, it was like, that was the only time I was alone. And it was just, I would weep and weep and miss him. And it was like, 
it just would come and I couldn't, I couldn't make it go. Um, but I think that kind of going back to that, looking at others, like how would I go through this and really seeing that in that moment, my, my view of God today or two years ago was so much different than it was 10 years ago, certainly 20 years ago. And that my view of God, because of the time that I'd spent in God's word, because my picture of him is more accurate than it was, you know, 20 years ago, that really that time in the Bible is so key because then it's like this, I don't, I don't want to use crisis of faith again, but the crossroads, like you were mentioning, that I have to choose that God is good or not. This might be a cliche illustration, but when a storm rages like that, it's kind of like you're on a sailboat and you're doing great in the ocean. You're having a great trip. And all of a sudden your brother dies suddenly and like these raging, this raging storm happens. And do you have the wherewithal to go down into your foundational bunker in the bottom of the boat and ride it out in all the ways that you know how to do uh, with help instead of staying on the top deck with the waves plummeting you and not being, you know, risking falling into the ocean and drowning forever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's really that, you know, if, again, if, if we're going to do any one thing in our Christian walk to help build that foundation, it's to be in God's word because God's word tells us who God's God is. And if we do not believe ultimately that God is good or that like, here's another example, like God is in control in that moment. I had to, even though it was an accident, I had to believe that God saw that moment, right? That God wasn't up in heaven going, Oh, oops. I forgot about James. Oops. I had my lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as much as it's still like on this side of eternity, I don't understand it. And as much as I would love for him to be here, mm-hmm. that I have to, I, I, I choose, it's not even a have to, I want to, because I know that God is good because I have experienced his goodness. I've experienced his love, his mercy, his grace. And that even in his death, that God was merciful, mm-hmm. that this was not a punishment. This is not. God trying to get my attention. Right. And this was that's so God. Key. Yes. And yes, there's sin in this world and, and bad things happen. It is, we live in a fallen world, mm-hmm. but God allowed this fallenness to happen mm-hmm. to my brother. And it wasn't, I mean, he is in control ultimately and sees a picture that we can't see. I love how Rabbi Zacharias describes some of these things when we talk about, you know, is God good if he allows things to happen like that? And Maybe I can link to the video I saw on Facebook about it, but he, I, I, I can't even come close to articulating what he said, but a little piece of it is who knows if, if that would have been prevented the accidental death of James, who knows in the future of that, what would have ended up happening that may or may not have even been worse or right. better. And not that that helps ease pain um, for anyone who has lost someone who, who they love. But I think your foundation in God's word and knowing God's character and who he is, because you had been in there and, and had a right framework of who God is helped you trust in those times when it felt like not trusting, Mm -hmm. you know? And so let's talk about, let's talk about the power of being in God's word and how we can see who God is. Because I think the obvious question someone might be asking Okay, well, we know the try harder wheel isn't the right paradigm. So what have you discovered about God, who he is? And then how can we discover for ourselves who he is instead of 
relying and living a life where we rely on others to tell us about God's word, where we can get in there ourselves. Cause I know that's where your passion is. Yeah. And I think the alternate, the al- alternative from the try harder will is to believe better. And the way we believe better is to be in God's word, to be around God's people, you know, to have those conversations, like to have people in our lives that are pointing out, like, I'm not so sure that, you know, in a loving way that, you know, the way you are talking about God, I don't think that jives with his word, Mm -hmm. you know, like having that, that's such important because we can't, I know I've been talking a lot about God's word and we can't just be in God's word on our own in our little house you know, or even have a home church with just our family. I don't, I don't believe that that God, that that is God's best for us, that yes, church is imperfect. (laughs) There's no perfect church, but we've got to be around people. We've got to be amidst good teaching that is continually renewing our minds with truth. Mm -hmm. And we cannot believe better if we are not sitting under teaching and studying on our own. Like it's, it's gotta be both. And so I think what you're saying is so key because it's not also okay to just go to community, uh, mm-hmm. you know, be in church and get teaching and never go and investigate it ourselves because God encourages us to, you know, test and try what Absolutely. is being said for our own selves. And the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. resides within us. And it's not beyond God to teach us things. Now, should we deviate from, you know, obviously we're not going to hear something through the Holy Spirit that's going to be opposite of what God's word says, you know. Right. So I'd love for you to take some time. I know you have um, books that have just released this year about Bible study and helping us for even just 15 minutes a day, getting mm-hmm. into God's word on our own. Tell us about why we should bother to get into God's word ourselves. Well, there's a lot of reasons why. Um, first off, if I say I believe that the Bible is true, that as a Christian, I mean, everything everything about Christianity is based in the Bible. And so we all have something to, and what it teaches about Christ, you know, so we have a choice to make on whether or not we believe that the Bible is true. And if we've made that decision, yes, I believe that the Bible is true. I believe it's important. Then why would we not be in it as much as possible? Because we cannot even mind the depths of it on this side of eternity. Mm -hmm. So there's, it's such, it's of such great infinite value for us as a believer. Um, And so I think that's part of it. And then secondly is because the word tells us to be in the word, you know? (laughs) So the Bible does not, however, say you must have a quiet time every morning at 6am and it must be an hour long and it must look like this. The Bible doesn't say that, but it does all over the place say, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. So we need to be in the word in such a way that it is something that is on our lips. Like that word meditate has as a connotation of it being spoken and on our lips, like God's word should spill out of us in our actions, in, in our, our speech and so much. And so I think that's, what's so powerful about scripture memory, because as a component of reading God's word, I know my life has been changed by scripture memory too, because you're talking about meditating on God's word. And I think when we try to memorize, a lot of us think, oh, well, we can't memorize. It's too hard for us. But it's really just meditating on one verse a week or one verse a month. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's it really is. It's when we're when we're memorizing, it's like we're we're stockpiling <laughs> the the word for the for the spirit to to bring forward to us. And it's really been one of the most fruitful, especially once I kind of established how to study the Bible, it's it, I've seen so much fruit from memorizing the Bible, even if it's like you said, just 
one verse. I mean, I think we, everything with our quiet time, with scripture memory, with everything in the spiritual disciplines area of the things that we feel like we should do, we tend to be idealistic about those things and perfectionistic. So if I can't do it right, I'm not going to do it at all. And we have got to let go of that. And if you just take one verse this year and you just read it every day, you will have that memorized at the end of the year. And don't you think that's better than having not memorized anything this year? Absolutely. But we think, oh, well, I'm not memorizing all of a book, so it's not good enough. And that's just a lie. And it's amazing that I feel like God's word comes to life in a new way when I'm memorizing something because then I see it everywhere. I agree. I agree so much. It's amazing. And I think that we've got to see that God's word is not just this random collection of stories and words, but it is a story and it is all intertwined. And even when we can't see it right away, it is there. There's a reason why it's there and it all keeps pointing back to the same truths. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's amazing. And it's a way to drive truth in when we need to captivate our thoughts and, and think on the things that are pure and lovely and good and, and memorizing scripture for those of us when it's, for those of us that it's hard to memorize scripture, sometimes that's all we can do to get it down. You know, you're just doing it all the time. And then you're like, oh, I guess this is the point I'm meditating, right? Because you're just trying to <laughs> right. learn it, at least yeah. for me. So Katie, where do we start? What is Focus 15, these studies that you have? Um, the I know you have um, things to offer for us so we can start to learn how to get into God's word. And not only as a beginner, I'd love for you to say where to start, but also as a seasoned believer, you know, seasoned in the mm-hmm. sense of, you know, we have maybe for some of us, we've we've read our Bible so many times that now like we're struggling to find that freshness mm-hmm. in God's word. Like, OK, which book do I go? You know, and we go back to it's like the other book end of faith. I'm flipping again, you know, <laughs> because mm-hmm. yeah. I know all the stories. I've been in God's word for 30 years. Like I, I you know, how do I get it fresh? And so I love your um, your book your three books that you've just come out with because of that. Yeah. So I think there's two, two kind of approaches that, that are good approaches for us to do with the word. And one is the bird's eye view. And the other is like the bug's life. I like to call it. So, and we need, we need to have both. I think it's really good to always have that bird's eye view, whether you're reading through the Bible in a year or two years or three years, you know, just kind of seeing the big picture, but we, I think that when we just are always seeing that big picture, we get to that place, like you said, where I'm ready. Like you you just don't, those things, we're not getting close enough to see all the things click sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the bug's life comes in. And that is really what the heart behind the focus 15 method that I've uh, really, it's been over five years that I've developed even a a decade before that of, of studying myself and teaching other women how to study the Bible. Bible and kind of distilling it down to making it easy and manageable because what what I found especially when then I became a mom because before I had all this time and I could spend an hour studying and getting into the deep stuff of the word and then like life changed and suddenly I could not get into the word and it really was a source of guilt for me and frustration and I felt like if I couldn't do it right then I shouldn't do it at all and so really kind of getting past that perfectionism getting past that it's not going to look the way it used to um, or maybe it's never looked that way for you you know like that we've got to start small and and significant but that even in 15 minutes a day it can be intentional and significant and so 
basically what we do, instead of trying to get through as much of God's word as we can, we try to take, we take a small portion of scripture and go over it again and again and again, looking at it with different glasses, I like to say. I love that. And so we study in these in in all these studies so far. They're all four week studies. They they can be done in as fifteen minutes a little as fifteen minutes a day. There's always bonus stuff so that if you have more for that day, you can keep going. But if all you had was fifteen minutes and then, five days a week too, yes, which is great. Yeah, they're five days a week, so that allows you a couple catch up days, or if you've got something going on Sunday at church, you know, yeah, or something else. It it gives room for more than one thing going on. Um, and so the focus is an acronym. So the first day is foundation, and that's where we're just enjoying the word. So, like I said, the the Bible journaling thing that's going on right now, that's a great first mm -hmm. step. It's a great way to just in, slow down and enjoy what's there. Don't just mindlessly read because we're so guilty of just mindlessly reading. The next day is observation, and that's where we start looking at the truths about who God is. If there is one question that like the best question to ask when you are reading the Bible, because you should be asking questions when you read the Bible <laughs> is what is true about God here? Mm -hmm. What is true about God? And so I, in my studies, I, I'll, I kind of shape those for you. Like one of them is everyday love. And we study first Corinthians 13. So a, an obvious question that we're asking there is what's true about love. What is the Bible teaching me about how does it, you know, how do I love? Um, and so that's the next day is kind of asking questions and looking at some of the details there. The next day we look at the words, we look at what's there, like, and kind of clarifying that C is clarifying the word. So we, uh, learn how to look at the original Greek or Hebrew. Um, we can also even just use a dictionary, <laughs> you know, when you see a big word like sanctification and you couldn't turn around and tell somebody what that means, well, go look it up in, in Webster's, you know, right. you'll learn a lot just from that. And then the next day is utilization, and that's where we cross-reference. We look at the, most of your Bibles would have that in the margins or on the bottom where it tells you those little bitty A's or F's or whatever, you know, those little bitty subscript letters, superscript letters that you could go look and see where else in the Bible it's talking about that subject. And then the last day is summation, and that's where we interpret and apply. And I think... You know, we often like to read and then interpret and we skip over the observation. <laughs> and so we yeah. spend, you know, basically three days we read and then we spend three days observing and then we apply, then we interpret and apply. And I think it like, so inductive typically is going to be verse by verse and it's, we're just going to, we're going to go to it and we're going to look and see what's there. We're going to let the Bible tell us what to think instead of already having a thought and going to the Bible to look for something to back up that thought. Right. Now, I mean, there's times for that, you know, especially if you've already studied that passage and you're looking for, oh, where was that passage that said this about whatever, you know, there's nothing wrong with going to the Bible, flipping around, but over time that really we should go to God's word and with a heart of Psalm 119, Lord, open my eyes and I may behold wonderful things out of your law. Like you open my eyes to show me what I'm supposed to see here. And I don't know what I'm going to get when I come here. So you show me, it's, it's with this heart of you show me what I need to see today. Yeah. And I don't think we need a seminary degree to do that. And especially right now, the age that we live in with technology, it has never been more accessible one to read your Bible, but two to study your Bible, that there are so many amazing free tools out there that make it as easy as looking up something in a dictionary to look up the Greek word. And that's incredible. And we do it because we want to spend time with God because we love him. 
right? Yes. Not because yeah. we're going to earn anything or he's going to bless us more if we have our focus 15 moments, you know? And that's what I love about what you're doing and the passion with which you bring. And I hope there are more that you're planning to write. I love that they're just, tell me the title again, the title. It's every, Everyday Faith, Everyday Hope, Everyday Love that, that came out this past January. Um, everyday peace is coming out fall 2016 and then we're looking at everyday obedience for summer 2017 maybe well i love that they're looking at small passages not huge big things because the repetition really there's value in that it's so good Yeah. yeah katie i'm so glad you joined me here thank you for taking the time to spend with us where can everybody find um your focus 15 studies your site if they want to learn more about how they can uh, study god's word more for themselves yes well you can find all the the focus 15 studies at focused 15.com so f-o-c-u-s 15.com and uh, from there you'll see what all is available and lists to all the basically all the major online and in-store retailers you can you can get it if they don't have it in store you could have it special ordered but you should be able to find it in in your local lifeway store and um yeah i have a newsletter and that's really i don't do so much blogging lately except for really about grief and so that's if there were some of these things that we've been talking about that really resonate with you um katie or dot me that's really what i blog about most of the time these days um just kind of emotional writing, I guess. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> uh, good, you know. Because I'm doing so much writing with Bible studies now that mm-hmm. I'm not blogging so much. But And I love, to, uh, you know, your focus on helping us be in God's Word as parents, as moms. Our kids are watching, mm-hmm. and they're going to do what we do instead of do what we tell them to do. I mean, they yeah, might do what yeah. we tell them to do, but um, I love your heart for that, too, so. Well, my, my hope, one of my biggest goals with these studies is to work myself out of a job that really that, (laughs) that you, after going through, especially three or four studies that you'll feel confident enough to go to any passage in scripture Mm -hmm. and study it yourself. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not, I mean, I'm not in it to sit out Bible studies, but at the same time, I know people are still going to buy Bible studies because us women, we like to be told where to go and what to do and and to have someone kind of come alongside of us. I have cheat sheets in there. So, you know, there's a lot of times where I've done studies that I felt like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. So I put like cheat sheets at the end of each day that kind of give you a little like nod, like, yeah, you're doing this. Keep going. It's like, I'm your coach and I'm not telling you this is what it means all the time, Mm -hmm. you know? But I'm going to come alongside of you and cheer you on and let's it's great. keep going. And it's a yeah. great way to stretch ourselves and grow. And I think that's what you've provided, tools for us to do that. So, so much thanks to you for all your hard work. I'm so glad you joined me. It has been, honestly, so fun to talk to you today. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, have an amazing week. You too, Jackie. Okay. Bye. Well, that's all for this episode. I am so thankful for Katie for her passion and for her expertise in coming alongside us and helping us learn how to love to study the Bible. You can find all the links that were mentioned in this episode uh, and all the ways to find Katie and her books and also the Instagram Bible study that she's leading online through her book, Everyday Faith. You can find all the links over at the show notes page, JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 88. You can also find it if you're listening in an app. You can find it if you click on the artwork of this show underneath there, there's going to be 
text that you can read and there will be hyperlinks where you can click right on through and also to leave a rating or review or to subscribe to the show. It's all going to be there. Now, to enter to win one of the three books that we're giving away, thanks to the generosity of Katie's publisher, what I want you to do is in an effort to build community, I want us to meet over on the Facebook page. You can find it at facebook.com forward slash Jackie Watkins. And I want you to do two things when you get there. The first thing I want you to do is like the page so that you might see more of our community's interaction. I've been doing some Facebook live broadcasts over there and been getting awesome feedback and we've been hanging out together. And so I'd love for you to be a part of that. So first thing, like the page. Second thing, I'm going to put a post up for episode 88, Katie's episode. And underneath there, I want to start a discussion. And so I want you to leave a comment on that post answering this question, and that will enter you to win one of Katie's books. I want you to tell me, what is your biggest challenge when it comes to reading the Bible? Your biggest challenge, no matter what it is. And let's have a discussion. And maybe some of us might be able to see what somebody's challenge is, and we can offer some encouragement or some tips, and it can just be a brainstorming session about ways we can learn to love to study God's Word. Because really, it is in God's Word that we learn His character, that we learn the ways that He interacts with His people, and we get the encouragement and the life that our hearts need to be able to grow and change and mature our character to become more and more like Christ so that we can love as He loved and we can serve like He showed us to serve. And so, yay, let's meet over there at the Facebook page, and I will be hanging out on that post all week. Now, if you happen not to have Facebook or you don't use Facebook, no problem. We're going to have the same conversation over on the show notes page. So if you go to JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 88, just leave a comment on that post and we'll have a discussion over there of the same thing. And that will also enter you to win one of Katie's books. I can't wait to see who it's going to be. So may you know today that you are so very loved and you are never, ever alone. Have a beautiful day.